Ian, we have a sponsor this week. Marvellous news. And I feel that we should tell our listeners about this just before we get into the, the main part of the episode this week, which is going to be all about plain English. Indeed. So let's see if I can do a plain English sponsor read, and you'll find out later in the show if I've done that correctly or not. So our sponsor this week is Phraseology by a company called Agile Tortoise. Um, there are a lot of text entry apps for the iPad, but Phraseology is a writing app for the iPad. It has fantastic tools that allow you to arrange your paragraphs into a perfect order so if you've written all your paragraphs out of order which is something that i do far too frequently um i can use phraseology to allow me to use their arrange view and mix everything around so it reads more better that wasn't great was it that wasn't good english more better anyway so they have um the ability to look up words quickly in the sister app, also by Agile Tortoise, called Terminology. Um, you can just look up words and find out their meanings or f use the thesaurus that's built in through using terminology. Um, they have the ability to inspect your work in markdown previews as well, which is the hotness on the internet. Um, phraseology is powerful even enough for the busiest writers like Mr. Ian Broom. Um, you can check out Phraseology on the iOS App Store. It's only $4 at the moment, which is about £2.99 or something like that for the British contingent of the show. Um, and it, for all you writers out there, it could potentially be the best few quid you spend today. And Ian, we're giving some uh, copies of Phraseology away, aren't we? We are indeed. So we have free copies to give away. Now, all you need to do if you want to win a copy of Phraseology is retweet the show. So from the at 70 decibels account, which is 70-D-E-C-I-B-E-L-S, there'll be a link in the show notes to that. Um, we will tweet out to say episode um, SO2EO2 of Right For Your Life is out. If you retweet it, then you will be automatically entered to win um, a copy of Phraseology. And we will announce the winners on next week's episode. Marvellous news. Yeah, I've said good, that twice. And so, also, yeah, go also tell people. The Right for Life podcast it now has uh, intro music provided very kindly by friends of the podcast and incredibly talented, uh, marvelous band from Sheffield, UK, Native and the Name, and uh, we're very grateful. And uh, let's let them take it away. And welcome to season two, episode two of the Right Your Life podcast. With me is my trusty co-host Mike Hurley. Hello, Ian Broom. Hello, how are you? I am very well. I'm very well. How are you? I'm feeling much calmer than I was last week. I listened back to our episode, <laughs> and um, I was frantic to say the least. And um, it's an exciting day. It was an exciting day. I pretty much spent all of it up until the point where I spoke to you in front of quite a lot of people, um, moving boxes and uh, hurting myself in the process and, and that kind of thing. Um, so I then kind of put all those things down, ran to my friend's house, asked if I could use the Wi-Fi and um, sat and went crackers for half an hour. <laughs> it was very kind of you to go through that trouble, mate. That's all right. It was exciting. And, and it was exciting, of course, because... This podcast was featured in um, iTunes, wasn't it? Yeah, we were, yeah. And um, we thought we'd better put some actual content out there. So I hope all those wonderful people who subscribed and uh, downloaded the podcast last week are still with us. <laughs> yeah, let's hope so. 
Unless, 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 hope they didn't really enjoy some kind of manic northern nutcase, and um, and uh, we'll be disappointed to hear someone talking relatively normally this week. Well, I don't know. Maybe I'll rile you up enough during the episode, and you just start screaming again. Well, one way of doing that would be to disagree with me on the subject of plain English, which ah, is okay. what, which is what we're talking about today. Um, in my mania last week, I listed all kinds of uh, different subjects that we might talk about in future episodes. So I thought we'd better actually start with one of those. And um, so I, I decided on playing English just because I think that it's um, it, it played such an important role in me becoming not becoming a writer, but becoming a better writer or mm-hmm. a better editor, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it applies to pretty much any writing that you can possibly do. Of course, it's, plain English is mainly associated with, um, I guess, uh, copywriting or, or specifically business writing, kind of um, legal writing almost. Um, but uh, the truth is I've, I found it incredibly useful. It, trans- it transformed my um, ability to write fiction, basically. I went from being, and I'm going to try and say this uh, in, a, in a modest way, but I, I suspect I'm going to fail, but I went, to, I went from being kind of quite a reasonably good writer who was a kind of, um, I don't know, 22, 23 years old, sort of, you know, I was, I was kind of all right. I was on, on, the, on the Masters at, at Sheffield Hall and that kind of thing. And then I did, I learned plain English or, or had to kind of um, do it for a living for about six months. And then all of a sudden my fiction was much, much better. And I was as surprised as anyone that, uh, that it happened. But it did. It surprises me already that something called plain English, like the term plain English, could have that much of an effect on you as a writer. It just sounds very simple and understated. And and it is, and that's part of the reason I want to talk about it, is because it's actually got quite a bad... Um, it gets quite a bad rep, plain English, um, especially uh, especially surprisingly, perhaps, among a lot of copywriters. A lot of copywriters think that it's it stifles creativity or... Um, it's uh, dumbing down. That's the phrase that's often used. In the, you know, copywriters, of course, the copywriting and um, and and, and uh, uh, what's it, legal writing, that kind of thing, business writing, that it, it encapsulates so many different things. But of course, all copywriters really want to do is write sexy headlines, because that's where you know that's the uh, that's the exciting bit. But um, for the vast majority of the time, you're actually. I guess making things sound better than they were because uh, you you regularly get you regularly get content from a client and they may have written it and they may not be um, writers themselves and your job is to take that and make it better and so a lot of the time you are just making something easier to understand and um, I'll come on to this a bit more later but that to me is kind of the crux of it. Um, I do also want to. Just have a very quick follow-up from last week's episode because I think it's quite important to say. Um, I spent half an hour sort of waffling about myself and listing all these different things I've done. But of course, it's very important to say that, and this this is going to go for every single podcast episode that we record and probably uh, my writing career forever, anyone's writing career for crying out loud, um, is that I, I'm by no means the finished product. In fact, far from it. Um, I, I write fiction, I've got a novel finished, I've got an agent, all those kinds of things, but come on, I've not won the Booker Prize yet. I'm not up for... I like that you said yet. Hey, see, I'm not daft. <laughs> You've got to be optimistic. <laughs> if you write sort of quirky, offbeat literary fiction, you have to be very optimistic, generally, right. most of the time. Um, 
And, and at the same time, as a copywriter, I, d- I work for a design company, and, and it's great. I love working there. Fantastic. But, you know, it wasn't me that came up with just do it or um, I'm loving it. And, and, you know, I'm not that disappointed about not coming up with I'm loving it. But, you know, you know what I mean? I'm not kind of – I'm no big shot by any means. But what I am is a person who writes for a living. And, uh, and what, I, what I always try and do when, whenever I write for the site as well is, is basically to not lie. That's kind of my one kind of um, – philosophy is to uh, don't tell fibs when you're talking on the internet so if there if i say something and you disagree with it then that's totally fine because um i'm just speaking from experience and and my own uh, you know you know what I mean? when i say uh, when i say don't lie i mean based on my own experience anyway that was a much longer interjection than i intended but saying about just quickly before i let you move on and we go into the real topic about you're not the finished product i think that's part of the fun of this show is that as as I am attempting to bumble my way through a book, as I spoke about last week, and you've actually written one and, and going through that part um, and probably going to be writing more in the future. This this show will be chronicling that journey as well, which would be pretty cool, I think. Yeah, I hope so. And, I mean, that's certainly been the case with Write for Your Life, the blog. It's changed completely since I first started. I'm sure that's the same with anyone's projects or I think that's just called growing up and getting better at stuff, isn't it? Yeah. And, um, yeah, but it is. It will be nice to... Um, to uh, progress with the general public in this manner. The general public. Well, you know, it's a bit on iTunes. Everyone's listening to this now. Yes, they are. I, I, I bumped into the Queen the other day, and uh, she, she informed me that she's a fan. She's a big fan of the Right for Life blog as well. She leaves uh, sordid comments. I can never put them on. Actually, you know, I, don't, I can't really approve them. I want to, but um, it's, it's, just, for that. it's just spam. It's really. terrible. Okay, shall we talk about plain English? I think we should. Right, so I'm going to point people towards a website, and that website is the Plain English Campaigns website. And they are an organisation who run plain English courses um, throughout the UK for um, writers and also for businesses and um, huge organisations, that kind of thing. Um, so they run these these courses. I've been on one. That's where I kind of started um, learning plain English. If you didn't hear the podcast last week, um, the reason that I had to learn plain, plain English was I, uh, my first job out of university was um, as the publications officer for Sheffield Hound University. And my job was to edit their prospectus. So it was their um, undergraduate and postgraduate prospectuses, but also their online prospectus. So it was a it was basically I was constantly working with very similar kind of material that was obviously just describing the different courses. Um, but they had a very strict policy, the editorial team, um, of using plain English. And, and, and the reason for that is because um, they have a lot of students from all over the country at different levels and, of course, a lot of international students as well. So the whole point was that the audience for the, those prospectuses, they just wanted simple uh, fact-driven information. So they wanted to come, read, and understand what they were being told and go again. It was a very simple transaction of information. Um, and on my my interview, so this is my first job. Before this, I've, I, I guess I was writing some fiction, but I was ba- I'd basically written essays. So I was talking about Shakespeare, and because uh, I did an English degree, so I was talking about you know novels of the 19th century and all this kind of thing, using all manner of fancy language where possible. Um, to try and uh, explain myself away when perhaps I hadn't done the revision that I needed to. Um, And all of a sudden I had this interview where I 
had a test that I wasn't expecting, and the test was to take a hundred words, and if I remember rightly, it was to reduce it by two thirds. So I had to take a hundred words, reduce it to, <laughs> I guess it wasn't specifically two thirds, but around 35, 40 words, um, and, uh, and keep the meaning. And um, I must have done all right at it because I got the job, but that effectively became my occupation for about three and a half years. I would have uh, lots of information and try and condense it into a small amount whilst keeping the meaning. Now, I said earlier on that people tend to look down upon plain English and think that it's, it's, uh, that it's dumbing down, like I say, or that it's um, just a bit boring and a bit unnecessary. But for me, it's kind of, it was the best education I could possibly have had. So someone in your position, Mike, who doesn't write um, uh, regularly um, and is trying to do so, I think everything that we're about to talk about is completely useful for you. But at the same time, um, all the things we're, I'm about to talk about the things that I still do all the time, and I still check all the time that I'm doing them properly. Um, I might not do them very consciously, but I'm definitely doing them. Um, so the Plain English Campaign has this fantastic website, and they have an incredible amount of resources on there, um, all kinds of things, far, far too many for me to look into, but we'll put a link to uh, the campaign website in in the show notes of this episode. Oh, well. um, but a particular document that I want to kind of work through, and when I say work through, that makes it sound very tedious. It's going to be very exciting, it's going to be a lot of fun, and it's going to make you write much better than you ever have done before. But I am going to work through it. Um, and it's, um, it's kind of a how-to, it's kind of an overview of what plain English is. And there are, let me count, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven uh, bullet points um, that I want to go through. And these are kind of the headlines of plain English. So if you can get these things cracked, you can pretty much you're on the way to, in my opinion, writing better. Okay. Um, so my personal definition of, of plain English, and this is my personal definition, it's my argument when people say that it's a bit of a, a dumbing down process, you know, making language simple, it takes all the creativity and all the flavour out of it. Um, but actually, for me, it's just it, uh, plain English is, is writing that's, um, that's clear but also appropriate for its audience. Um, and, and to me, that's the real, the real key. It's about clarity and, and communication, I guess. It's, it's taking whatever it is that you've got to say, whether that's something that you want to say personally or whether it's something that a client has given you, if you're a copywriter or something like that, and thinking about who it's for and then writing uh, that message in the clearest possible way. So that could be, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to dumb down. It just means that you have to think really hard about what it is that you're saying and make sure that every word kind of counts. So I'm going to go through this list, and, and, and again, we'll link to this how-to um, in, uh, in the show notes. So I don't, have you got it there, Mike? Are you, are, are yep, you, are you with me up. on this? I'm with you. I'm following along. I'm, I'm not going to try and – I'm not going to literally read it out, but I'm going to go through these bullet points and just use it to refer to. I was going to write my own kind of guide to go along with what I was saying and just use this um, for reference, but as I'm going to point people towards this, I might as well use this for reference um, and, and actually talk about the examples in here. Okay, I've waffled. First thing is, uh, keep your sentences short. Now, that might seem like a fairly obvious thing, but the most common um, criticism, I think, of... of, of uh, and I, I, I'm really sorry for saying this. I hesitate to say it, and I know that I shouldn't, but I guess for ease of... Uh, for easiness, I will do. Bad writing it tends to be with really long sentences, and it's difficult to digest the information, and, um, and it's hard to keep track of what whoever's written it is trying to say. 
Um, so the first thing is to try and keep sentences short. And the plain English guidelines is 15 to 20 words. Now, that obviously doesn't mean that every single sentence needs to be 15 or 20 words long. But that's a really good guide in general. What you should actually do is try and mix it up a bit. So some long sentences, some short sentences, because writing, all writing is about rhythm. Um, but we'll save that for another podcast. I must stop saying that, otherwise I'm going to have a million topics to go through. But the idea is, um, as it says here, is to, is to be punchy and to kind of vary your writing. But short sentences are by far and away, uh, for me, the most important thing. Even my, my novel is full of short sentences. Um, uh, one day I hope you will all read it. And, um, and uh, it's, it's, about, it's just about thorough editing, really. Um, and basically, that means that the full stop is, is your friend. If, you ever, if you're ever in doubt when you're writing, whether you've got the structure of a sentence right, just put a full stop in it for crying out loud. That solves all the problems pretty much all the time. I'm just going to take a sip of drink, Mike, and you're going to say something in the gap. I'm going to say, so I guess, really, you want to try and stay away from using too many commas and focus more on using the full stop, right? <laughs> Well, in a very yes, I guess so. In in very simple terms, but it's just it's about if you're if you read a sentence back and it and it's it takes you thirty or forty, uh, it's taken thirty or forty odd words to to write, and you're reading it back, you kind of know it. it's it's an instinct. It's an instinct, I think. Once you've got the hang of it, it's instinct. You'll know when a sentence is too long. But if in doubt, just stick a full stop in and separate what are the two things that you're trying to say and. And uh, and it will sound better almost in every single possible way. Okay. So that's quite a simple one. Yeah. The second one is by far the most complicated. I am definitely going to get myself in a tangle. But yeah, this is I, about, I've taken a look at it already, and I don't understand it. So I hope that you're going to be able to explain it to me. I'm going to I'm going to try my best, but it's it's one of these things. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of these things that is difficult to master. But once you do it, you just kind of do it naturally, um, and it's difficult to understand. And I encourage everyone listening to actually read this document two or three times before you get it. But basically, it's, it's the principle of using active verbs instead of uh, passive verbs. So in this guide, it explains it all. Uh, an, act, uh, uh, an active verb. So basically, there are three parts to every sentence. There is a subject, so that's the person or the group or the thing. So let's use an example. Mike, you, can be, <laughs> you can be the subject, okay? Yay. Keep then, this clean, broom. <laughs> I will do. <laughs> um, and the verb, that's the action. So that can be records, so right. Mike records, and then the object can be podcasts. So Mike records podcasts. You with me still? I'm still with you. So the, other, the example that they've got here in, in the document is Peter watched television. So it's subject, verb, object. And when, when those three clauses are in that order, that's an active verb. So Mike records podcasts. That's an active, and, and, and the best like, kind of a way of doing it, a way of remembering it is, is, um, is that you're kind of doing it. It's a very, it, it is active. Mike records podcasts. You've done something there. Peter watched television. He didn't just think about it or talk about it. He did it. <laughs> he, th- he went and did it. Be active. <laughs> exactly. So the best way to think about it, uh, I guess, is uh, or to try and understand it, is to compare that to what it would be if it was a passive verb. A passive verb is basically those three clauses switch around the opposite way. So the object comes before the verb and then followed by the subject. For a moment, my brain went to, hang on, the television watched Peter, but that's not what you mean, is it, when you say you switch it around? Well, it, yes, it is, but if you, if you, if you make it make sense, right. then the, the, 
but but this is but that's kind of the point because yeah, if you switch it around, the television watch Peter, which which is ridiculous. But what it, what happens is that you have to use another word, don't you, for it to make sense? So the television, the television was watched by Peter. Right. So you've you've had to add two extra words in order to the sentence to in order to make the sentence make sense. And also that does sound peculiar because it makes it sound like you're um, personifying the television in a way. Completely, but these sentences are absolutely everywhere. <laughs> right. Yes, and, do you know what, right, already we're only into point two and I've, I feel like I've taken away a very valuable lesson. Well, my work here is done. Yes, so uh, until next week. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, I mean, it, it does take... Because this, this is obviously... These are, this is a very simple example and most sentences will, have, will be much more complicated. In fact, let's, there, there is the rest of... There is an example here, isn't there? Hang on, there's, they've extended it. Mm-hmm. So they, they say here, of course, there will usually be lots of other words as well in a sentence. For example... Peter, the boyfriend number 13, watched the television every Friday night. But that's still the same principle, subject, verb, and object. Peter, he's still the subject. Um, sorry, Peter, um, I've got my... See, I knew I'd get in a tangle. This you was were, bound to you happen. You were right, Peter is still the subject. <laughs> Peter, the boyfriend number 13, is actually the subject. Right. Um, and then, watch the television, and then every Friday night. Hang on. Oh, crikey. You see, but you see, this is, it's difficult, isn't it? And this is what I say. This is, this is something that I just do subconsciously. I, very, I never go back to these examples and check it. But let's go back, you know, you can read this and work it out yourself for crying out loud. My job's not to sit here reading stuff to you on an internet <laughs> podcast. That's opposed but, to a written podcast. <laughs> absolutely. But the, the, well, let's go back to the example that I can actually uh, talk about properly. So Mike records podcasts. It's active because you're doing it. And, um, the passive version of that would be podcasts are recorded by Mike. Now, doesn't that sound far clumsier and, and, yeah. and just more unpleasant? More words than is needed. More words than are needed, and it just it, it goes from being Mike report Mike records podcasts. You know, he's actually doing something. Look at Mike, isn't he great? He records podcasts. To podcasts are recorded by Mike. It's almost like, oh yeah, that's what. Yeah, Mike uh, has been recording podcasts. He's, you know, there's just something about it. It's clumsy and it's yeah. um, it's. Um, it's, I don't know. It's, let's get a couple of other examples that we've got here in the list just before I move on. Because um, it can be confusing, I realise this, and examples are the best way of working it out. So this is something that, will be, this is something that every, anyone who works in any kind of office job will have, will have heard. So this matter will be considered by us shortly. Everyone's heard sentences like that. That's such a passive <laughs> sentence. I don't even like the active example that much, but it is an active version of that sentence. So instead of this matter will be considered by us shortly, we can instead say we will consider this matter shortly. So it's again, it's switching it around so that, excuse me, so that it's, it's active. The riot was stopped by the police. The police stopped the riot. Make sense? Makes perfect sense. Okay. There are some examples here of when passives can be quite good, but most of the time it's when you're trying to get out of a, <laughs> when you're trying to get out of something. So, um, like if you're trying to avoid blame, it says here. So instead of saying um, instead of saying we made a mistake, which is probably what you should say, you can say a mistake was made <laughs> by someone somewhere, but definitely not by us. Exactly, <laughs> because what what changing it to passive has done is take away the we from we made a mistake, and responsibility for whatever mistake it was disappears. Make sense? Perfect sense. Marvellous. Okay, the next one. This is uh, also something that I think people on the internet are 
brilliant at. I think bloggers are brilliant at this, and it's uh, it's it's a it's, it's a fantastic uh, and simple thing. So it's use you and we. So instead of saying things like, um, and again, I'll use an example from here, so you can refer to it later. Instead of someone saying um, applicants must send us, so if it's a, like a job application, applicants must send us this, that, and the other in the post. Instead of doing that, just say you must send us, or uh, you know, it, it's it's. I guess we're going to come onto instructions later on, but just be upfront with people. You know, if you're actually speaking to a person, which you always are, then say so. If you're a company. And you're all you're writing on behalf of the company, then say uh, we we the company, or uh, as opposed to the organisation says this that or the other. It's um, it's just so much more friendly. It's just it's just clearer. That's the, and that's and again that's the most important thing. It's clearer, and it's it's um, it gets the message across in a much more straightforward, simple way. It's it's um, less ambiguity. Um, tell me, Mike. Your book that you're you're writing are you are you doing this are you are you talk are you are you is your the reader that's in your head are you talking to them as you I am I, I, when you said that it made more sense to me because I feel like I'm trying to instruct someone so mm. I don't want to say people that record podcasts might want to do this as opposed to just saying you might want to do this yes or this or I do it this way you should consider doing it this this way too yeah. Because that's uh, uh, something like your so, um, uh, a book like that, or a blog like mine, or a blog like anyone's. You know, uh, uh, someone writing f- uh, their, a website, um, a personal website, which I, I think a lot of people listen to might might be doing. Um, it is a personal thing. It's your website. If you're writing on your own behalf, then refer to yourself as you know, I. I do this. I do that. Um, it just makes sense, but in a kind of, I guess, in a copywriting business sense, it is this. These other types of examples, like applicants must send us instead of saying that you must send us, or advice is available from. Say you can get advice from. Um, you know, you can find out more from our website instead of, instead of saying um, information can be gathered from uh, the company's uh, website. Say you can get more information from our website. Right. Yep. Yeah. Makes sense? Perfect. Next point is use words that are appropriate for the reader. So this is kind of what I was referring to earlier on. Now, the idea really behind playing English is to get rid of jargon. So a lot of, a lot of companies will have um, or organizations will have um, some kind of mark uh, that, that says we, we power terms and conditions, for example. Um, they are plain English certified, that kind of thing. Um, and that's because the jargon's been removed. But Jargon is kind of appropriate um, for some people. So, for instance, if you're writing um, a book about podcasting, which you are, then it's probably okay for you to assume that the people reading the book um, are familiar with some of the jargon for podcasters or for, yeah. for putting a podcast together. So you might, at the start of, the, at the start of your book, um, uh, explain a couple of terms. So if you, uh, I don't know what it would be, let's say... Um, Podcatcher. Podcatcher. So you might refer to a podcatcher. I mean, I don't know what that is. It sounds terrifying. But if you refer to that, <laughs> it's like the child catcher from yeah, uh, but in a kind of um, sort of a vegetable based. I don't know. But you might refer to that at the start of your book and a couple of sentences just to explain what it is, and then you can refer to that later on because it's not jargon in this context. Because what you've done is write appropriate for your reader. 
um, where a lot of legal documents uh, fall down or terms and conditions is that they don't really care about who's reading it. In fact, uh, sometimes the opposite applies. They actually, they uh, not the opposite, but the similar thing applies where they don't care. But worse than that, they um, they go out of their way to make it complicated because mm. they know that person reading it won't have any legal knowledge. They won't want to read terms and conditions. Who does for crying out loud? Um, and uh, and so uh, they make it complicated, fill it with jargon. No one reads it, and then you get lost in the small print, and something happens, and before you know it, you've lost your house and your family, and it's all gone wrong. That does sound very wrong. And that's all from not using plain English. It happens, though. Um, it does. It happens all the time. Um, so generally speaking, yeah, use everyday language. That's 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 kind of the principle of plain English. Use use clear. Uh, easy to understand everyday English because that's how people talk and that's generally a general audience will understand that but where appropriate uh, use words if if the reader will understand what you're talking about feel free to write in an appropriate way now this is one that I mentioned earlier on and this is this is the copywriting one but it's also writing for the web which is something that we said we were going to talk about Mm -hmm. Um, don't be afraid to give instructions so instead of um, Instead of saying things like, I would be grateful if you could please forward me the email from Trevor, who sent you this particular email the other day, you could just put, please send me Trevor's email. And as long as you put please on the front, it's kind of polite. You know, you don't, it's not rude to say to someone, please send me this. Because, um, you know, that's what you want. It's, that's all you want, isn't it? To get to receive <laughs> yeah. that particular thing. You don't need to go to all this kind of trouble uh, with these long sentences and complicated language in order to uh, in order to actually get what you want or to tell someone to do something um, it's just a fast and sort of direct way of giving someone instructions and that's that's kind of the, on the web the crux of things so if you think about all the calls to action so subscribe now um, you know you never see a, 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 we would really appreciate it if you would consider subscribing at a time in the future Exactly, you'd have a giant, a giant button, <laughs> and no space for anything else. So it's you know the web has this this element of plain English. The web has got down to a T. Um, you know, it's subscribe now, um, sign up, sign up for free, uh, log, in. log in, log in, register now, like this uh, on Facebook. Yeah, like yeah, I, I mean, and that's actually it's a, that's quite a good example. We've we've condensed it now to. Um, single word instructions. You like something, or don't you? Tweet, tweet, post, yeah, and, share. Yeah, and all those things are instructions. They're not. They're not polite requests. They are instructions. And no one. <laughs> I mean, you don't. You, you might be offended by the general concept of Facebook and the idea of everyone liking something in a sort of virtual kind of way. But no one's ever kind of got offended because they saw the word like itself and thought, "Well, that's a bit. Uh, that's a bit rude, isn't it?" <laughs> So, um, yeah, if you're writing copy, then feel free to, you know, just uh, say what you want, say what you mean, and uh, encourage people to do it. Buy it now. There you go. That's, is, there, is, there a more, is there a better example than that? Um, okay, so where am I? So we've just done the instructions piece. So we have, but avoid nominalizations. We have, but there is just if you just see above that on on this uh, on on the sheet that we're working through, there's actually a really good example, slightly more complicated example. Oh, yes. And this is a this is a good one for for any copywriters listening. So, um, what you will commonly see, and the example here is um, 
well, I'm not sure what it is, but it, imagine <laughs> imagine the object. It could be anything. But the packet should be removed from the box. The contents should then be placed in the oven. I think there's some passive verbs going on there as well. Instead of that, you say, remove the packet from the box, then place the contents in the oven. You're actually giving an instruction. It's not, it's, not, it's not avoiding the issue. You're actually saying, right, do this. And whoever it is that wants to do that probably just wants to be told how to do it, and that's that. Yeah. Okay, avoid nominalizations. So this is um, also very common in, in writing that isn't so brilliant, um, and it's quite common in... Um, careful how I say this, um, I guess uh, this is quite common in content or copy that's written by big organisations, um, by marketing departments and that kind of thing who send it to copywriters like me to, to tidy up and, um, and, 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 and tweak. So it's words like, um, the examples here are words like completion and you might think, or oh, provision, oh, God, I hate the word provision. Oh, I hate the word provision. Um, what, why do you, what is your aversion to the word provision <laughs> because th there's nothing wrong with the word provide <laughs> right it's, okay that's what a nominal a nominal a non crikey i never knew i didn't really see i know i should have practiced saying this um a nominalization. A, nominal, a nominalization thanks mike no is uh, is a word like provision or completion um, when you could alternatively use the actual verb which is to provide so it's kind of it's almost like making something it's like an it's an abstract noun basically so it's it's uh, turning a verb into an actual thing and so uh, let me think of a, an example provision um well no I won't I'll I'll use one of the examples down here because these are the ones the best ones to refer to so instead of saying um the impl the implementation of the method has been done by a team See, that's, that's, the word implementation there is uh, a nominalization. So, and it's what I mean, does that sound clumsy to you, that sentence? It sounds too long. It's too long and it's clumsy when instead you could just use the verb itself and say a team has implemented the method. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so let me try, I'll try, try and think of one for provision. I've put myself on the spot. That was a mistake. So we will be, we will be responsible for the provision of design services sounds like nonsense to me it's just a ridiculously convoluted sentence instead just say what it actually is and that is we will provide design services even better we will design things for you make sense crystal crystal sense that's good <laughs> just crystal sense just how I, I like my my sense to be i'm sorry that was a bit naughty i shouldn't it's fine no it, you, you, you needed to bring it up if we're talking about being clear in english it should be more clear the good news is we're on to the last one, believe it or not. Are we? We're on to the last one, I think so. Uh, maybe, the, maybe there are some more. There are, there are about three more. <laughs> basically, basically, we're either on to the last one or, or there are some more. <laughs> there okay. are some more. <laughs> so this one is very quick because everyone does this. The, again, the web, I mean, if <laughs> the, the web is a master of this, especially those pesky pro bloggers. They know how to do this. So use lists where appropriate. So quite often when I'll With get... Slideshows. Yeah, if, if wherever possible. Um, so I'll get content from uh, loads of content. Say so we want a, a single, a single uh, page leaflet or a poster, and we want to have three thousand words to appear on it. And I'll go. Well, that sounds like a quite a tricky thing. So I'll cut it all down, and then I'll inevitably make a list because lists are fantastic. I do love lists, and they are wonderful. I don't like list posts so much on the internet. I find that they're a bit of a 
an easier way to attract traffic. But I think that might be a different, a different uh, uh, podcast episode as well. Mm. But in general, the principle is split information up. So if you're trying to convey a lot of information, then split it up. So for instance, let's talk about your podcast book again. So if you're, um, if you're putting together, I don't know, well, if you if you wanted to give someone a, a recommended list of microphones to use, mm-hmm. then you wouldn't put those microphones in a paragraph necessarily. You might because it, it, it would be difficult to scan. It would be difficult to read. If you've got some key points, some key information, then it's obvious to put them into a list. Um, there are different ways that you can organise lists, but that's just you, basically once you've done it once, as long as you're consistent and use lists in the same way every time, then then you're laughing. But I mean, that's a fairly simple thing, isn't it? Just you've got a lot of information, stick it in a list. It will make it easier to read. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the crux of it. I mean, that's fairly simple. Okay, you're right. We do have some more. <laughs> Two more. Oh, actually, no. This is the. No, I had got to the end of the actual list of bullet points. These are just kind of extras. Oh, so right. Okay. We'll we'll do them though. It's fine. I don't mind doing them because these the myths are particularly good. So we've got we've got two things left: apologising and myths. The myths are particularly good. Um, but apologising is actually very topical because those uh, those listeners who are seventy decibels listeners, they probably all use or have heard of Path, which is an an, an iOS app. Um, uh, which is like a social network on your phone, and uh, and and it's fantastic. It's wonderful. Everyone loves it. Um, but they recently had a bit of a problem with their uh, with the way that they handled um, people's uh, contacts on their phone. Long story short, they've issued an apology. I presume you've read the apology, Mike. I have. And everyone is now praising their apology. And the reason they're praising their apology is that they are um, kind of just being very professional about it and they're being very they're being kind of firm and 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 as the words that they use here is helpful and polite and it's just actually actually apologizing it's actually doing it so it refers back to what i said earlier on when it's the the example with the mistake instead of instead of saying um a mistake has been made you say we made a mistake that's the right way to apologize <laughs> if you if you'd if you'd i don't know if you'd um accidentally um I don't know. I mean, I've been I've been doing some drilling with my dad over the last couple of days. We've been putting shelves up. There's been a couple of times where I've nearly injured him quite terribly. Um, and, um, you know, I didn't say, Father, a mistake has been made. <laughs> I said, <laughs> I nearly swore then, I shouldn't swear. But, um, uh, you know, I would say, I'm sorry, Dad. Didn't mean to nearly sever your hand. Um, thank goodness everything's all right. You know, it's, a, it's an apology from me. <laughs> it's, an, it's sincere, that's the thing. So plain English, it's about uh, apologising is a really good place, uh, a really good example of where plain English uh, comes to the fore because it allows you to just actually apologise and be sincere about it. Um, yes, and that's about it. That's why I didn't include it in my official thing, my official list, because uh, it was quite small. But um, makes I, sense? I put it in the unofficial list. Okay. I've said two things quite a lot in this podcast episode. Makes sense. I've said makes sense a lot. I've also said for crying out loud quite a lot. <laughs> but I think that those are two very important parts of this of this episode. We've met, we had to make sure it makes sense and you have been crying out loud a lot. Yeah, I think it's my um it's my it's my attempt at not swearing. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I mean, I'm sure you can imagine what I possibly could have said instead of that. Yeah, but you've, um, you've done well not to not to swear too much. 
I have. I mean, I'm no, I'm no potty mouth. I mean, of course, this is a family show, and I wouldn't want to swear uh, uh, at all. And I don't. I make a point of not really swearing on the internet. But sometimes, when you're actually talking, you know, something might slip out, so to speak. Shall we do the final one? Yes. And then we're going to play a. We're going to play a game, or I'm going to play a game with you. Yeah. Uh, not like that. It's all above board, um, and and it's going to be fun because I know for a fact that this episode has been a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> hasn't it I've enjoyed it but the, do you feel like this has been useful yes no really honestly I mean we've no, got honestly to get, I have honestly this, I have this is kind of a, a back to basics kind of thing and, and, and I'm not kidding once I learn all these basic principles it's all about editing that's, that's the key to writing writing is dead easy any monkey can write but actually going back to your work and editing it and getting it into shape is really really difficult and that's where all these different principles that we've talked about in a really informative but engaging way um, that's where they become quite important because it allows you to take your writing and make it into something that's that's really tight and concise and appropriate for whoever it is you're writing for. And readable, that's kind of, which yeah, is readable very important if you're writing, to have your yeah. writing be readable, right? And if you can get your own voice across at the same time, well, then you're, you're onto a winner, frankly. So let's just, let's just get this last bit out of the way, and then we can move on to the fun-packed game. So this is just some basic myths of uh, writing and, um, and, uh, and grammar. So... I think most people will know this, but you can absolutely definitely start a sentence with and, but, uh, because, so, excuse me, a bit of Windy Pops, and however. <laughs> windy. No, nobody else on this network has ever said Windy Pops before. Uh, well, again, it's, it's, it's just... the I've... Britishness of us both. Um, I didn't know that, mate, about, about uh, and. I was taught in school that you could not put and at the start yeah, of a sentence. Yeah. And there are so many sentences in my life that I felt and should be the start of and never wanted to do because I didn't want to look like a numbskull. So now I will, I'm going to put and in front of every sentence. I mean, don't put it in front of every sentence. <laughs> no, not, not majority of sentences. Yeah, it's, it, it's fine. It's just about, it's about kind of appropriate. It's, uh, it's about what's appropriate and most of the time it's perfectly appropriate. But basically it's not grammatically incorrect to do it. And people do it all the time. It's for effect. It's it's about rhythm. That's what it's right. about rhythm, really. Um, and so you, it's if you need to start a sentence with "and" in order to make the rhythm of your writing work, then that's fine. Um, you can say split infinitives, so you can say to boldly go, which is a very geeky example. Uh, you can end a sentence with a preposition. Uh, in fact, it is something, and they've managed to actually talk about it and use an example at the same time, it is something we should stand up for. So you can, uh, you can do that. And you can use the same word twice in a sentence if you can't find a better word. So in that sentence I've just read, um, I've used the word you and the word word and the word word, word, uh, and the word, word Maybe uh, twice. Maybe not three times, though. No, Only or five twice. or six. So that's just some basic kind of grammar miss. But, yeah, essentially it's just... Um, Think about the rhythm, and uh, and you'll kind of know if it's wrong. How long? Have, you know, how how much have we? How, what 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 we got on the clock? Um, on 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 the clock so far, uh, we are currently running at forty minutes. Goodness gracious, this is exhausting. Okay, we'll play. <laughs> we'll do a lightning quick game. So I recommend everyone basically, if they if they're still with us, I I hugely recommend that they head to the Plain English Campaigns website at plainenglish.co.uk. Show notes will be uh, provided at the 70 decibels page. I'm now just going to 
finish this off with um, a little game with you, Mike. So they include an A to Z of alternative words. Okay. So now, I'm not looking at them, and I haven't looked at them. Is that key for the game? It's not key for the game. In fact, it's essential that you don't look at them. So Good. here are some of my pet peeves. Uh, uh, there's a w- long, long list. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a, a word, and it's going to be a ridiculously unnecessary word. Mm-hmm. So I want you to give me, suggest an alternative. Oh, wow. Like, okay. suggest, suggest a plain English version. That's a lot of pressure here. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be worth them, worth people sort of listening through. So this is proof that I've been listening, right? Absolutely, yeah. Mm. So um, I'll, say, I'll say the non-plain English version. You give me a, a straightforward, much more simple, effective way of saying the same word, okay? Okay. Accomplish. Finish. Nice. Yes. I assume you're going to put sound effects, uh, edit those in later. Nope. Well, yeah, I'll put one in there. I'll put applause in there, but um, which everybody else would have heard and now sounds peculiar that I've brought it up. <laughs> uh, you could also have do, so you can actually do something. That's uh, accomplished as well. Okay, um, let's go for acquire. Uh, buy. Buy is good. Also, get. Most of the t- there's so many words, you can just use the word get. Sometimes it might sound too simple, and I'll go, fine, use something else instead. But most of the time, something like acquire is utterly unnecessary. Um, How about, let's go on to the different, (laughs) let's go to the Bs. Let's go for uh, beneficial. I was very inclined to say get, but (laughs) (laughs) uh, beneficial. Um, Hmm. No, no, brain's gone. Just something like helpful is fine. Yeah, so you instead, do, of just, yes. instead of descri- describing something, um, the advice that I provide in this podcast has been very beneficial. Just say it's helpful. I mean, goodness me, you don't need all these words. Useful. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so we've got uh, consult. Oh, such a commonly used word. A commonly used word. Uh, instruct. Uh, I would say that's also, uh, well, let me give you that as well. Instruct. Give me a better version of that. Oh, help. Help, talk to, meet. Um, another one. Uh, consumption. Eat. Um, yeah, actually, that's a terrible example. I just, I just, uh, I mean, the, the the alternative is here is amount used, but I was thinking of a different consumption. Just pretend that wasn't. Just pretend okay. I didn't say that. I've, I've forgotten it already. Okay, we've got. Oh, let me give you three more because this is uh, just getting too exciting for people. I think they'll probably pass out. <laughs> um. Sheer excitement. So something like uh, discuss. Oh, how many times have you heard? Let's discuss something. Talk. Talk. Talk about it. Don't discuss it. You talk about it. Um, disclose. Uh, give. Yep. Or tell. Uh, if it's a different type of disclose, I suppose. Um, and I'll, I'll finish on kind of my least favourite um, three words in the world, and that is, in order to. Um, no. It's just two. Oh, think, wow, think, okay. Th- think of any sentence you've ever written or read where someone's written in order to, and you can almost, well, you can, I will say, you could always take out the two words yeah, in so and order. In order to buy, or just, you say, to buy. Yeah. yeah, every time. Such a common thing. Interesting. And I think that's actually an example, such a good example of plain English, plain English in action that I'm probably going to leave this sermon there. Can I just ask one quick question before we finish? 
of course. Do you think that maybe a lot of people use these um, sort of terms to try and... This is, I mean, I don't know, but to try and make themselves sound smarter? Yes, that's almost always why it happens. Like, um, my, one of my pet peeves is when people say copious amounts of. Yeah. And when... About 95% of the time when I hear somebody say copious, I think you're just trying to sound smart now. Just say yes. lots. Lots of. But you, but you can see why people say that the, the, altern- the kind of the alternative view of that is to say, oh, you're just dumbing down. But it, it's not really. Not if, you're a, not, if you're, not if you practice and you're a good writer. You can do all these things. And it doesn't sound stupid. It doesn't sound oversimplifi- oversimplified. Did, there's an example there. It doesn't sound simple. Um, it's, uh, you know, this is all around us. We do it in speech all the time. I mean, yeah. people, talk, people talk this way uh, in a convoluted way all the time. Most, most of the time, and I do it, I'm sure I've done it many times in this podcast, probably just to buy myself a little thinking time before I get to the end of my sentence. Like um, when, as I was probably doing um, during this episode, to allow my brain to come to terms with what you're trying to ask me. Like when you're in school and the teacher would be like, what's two times four? And you go, two times four is... <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. But some, the, the alternative to pausing is to stick a few extra words in instead. Exactly. So, um, yeah, if anyone's uh, even remotely interested in doing some of this stuff, the best way of testing yourself is to get 100 words from anywhere, take it anywhere off the internet and try and halve it and... Um, and uh, and keep the meaning. That's kind of a good exercise. That's what I did repeatedly for many about three years. And um, and your writing will improve. It's 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 worth trying. It will improve pretty much whatever type of uh, writing it is that you you do. Excellent. Thank and you very that, much for the lesson, Mister. <laughs> it did feel a bit like a lesson. I feel slightly uh, uh, authoritative. Or do I mean authoritative? Do I just mean really clever? You were. That would have been very difficult for you if you couldn't have thought of one very fast. <laughs> I had to be massively arrogant instead. So, where can people find you online, sir? Uh, of course. So they can find me at writeforyourlife.net, which is the the blog of the podcast, I guess, and um, also on Twitter at Ian Broom, and that is spelled I A I N B R O O M E. And they can also find me now on Audioboo because I've, uh, Audioboo is a, a kind of a mini podcast. You just record stuff on your phone. You've got less than three minutes to do it and then you just stick it on the internet. So I'm going to be uh, updating that more regularly too. And I am Ian Broom on Audioboo as well. Audioboo.fm slash Ian Broom. .fm slash Ian Broom. I'm writing that down for the show notes. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. It's such a shame that we have to spell it all out for everyone, isn't it? Um, you can find this show is part of the 70 Decibels podcast network. You can find more shows, um, none quite like this one, but all equally entertaining, at 70decibels.com. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that by going to 70decibels.com forward slash contact. So until next week, Mr. Broom, thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, let's hope that everybody from now starts speaking in much simpler terms. Well, that would be wonderful. See if you can change the world. (laughs) Well, I'll do my very best. That's all we ask. (laughs) Bye-bye. Farewell, dear maiden.